It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at 5.30, our playoff edition NFL tiers. How many teams that we gave no chance actually won last weekend? Um, And do we still think they have no chance? Or do we give them a little bit better of a shot to eventually get to and win the Super Bowl? NFL tiers coming up at 5.30. Right now, though, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. All right, so today's not my beat. A little bit of take command for you. Fresh off the pod mics, if you will. Logan and I recorded this just this morning. And when we talk about, you know, our top story from the perspective of someone who was there, Logan was there for the Dan Quinn era at 2017 or 2016, I should say, in Atlanta. It's the year after Quinn and company went to the Super Bowl, hired Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach. The wide receivers coach was a guy named Raheem Morris. Well, today, Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris interviewed for the commander's open head coaching position. So we spent a good amount of time, about 20 minutes on the podcast, talking about those two men and more. Uh, You will hear one reference to uh, some points made earlier in the podcast. We spent the first 15 minutes or so talking about Mike McDonald's candidacy. So if you want to hear that and some of the things that we talked about being important, then obviously you should go listen to the full edition of Take Command. We also did a version of NFC East Would You Rather, which was fun. Uh, Who would you rather have for the next three years if your goal is to win a Super Bowl? But uh, here's the conversation from Logan about the two candidates that interviewed today for the commander's head coaching position who he played for in Atlanta. All right, let's talk about two coaches that you know and have played for. Uh, And in fact, we're on the same staff uh, when you were there in Atlanta. Uh, Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn. Let's start with DQ. He was your head coach in Atlanta. We have certainly talked about him before and I will say it is it's really tough for a head coaching candidate to lose in the playoffs the way that he did does that define him no but it is an outsized data point because the whole league is watching and that includes the owners that are going to hopefully hire you Mm. um where week in week out they're either on their yacht somewhere uh or at the game watching their own team they're not watching the entire league they're certainly tangentially aware But when the whole league sits down and watches you get gashed in the way that that defense got gashed for the Cowboys, probably not the best thing to have as the last piece on your resume for Dan Quinn going to these interviews. That said, he's also got a Super Bowl ring as defensive coordinator with Seattle. Um, And he obviously made another Super Bowl there in Atlanta uh, with Kyle. And and we all know what happened in that Super Bowl. It's not great. Uh, So with that said, Dan Quinn, head coach candidate. How do you how do you like him? I mean, I can't say enough good things about Dan. I think when I went to Atlanta, it was like a brush of fresh, fresh air for me in my career. Like, and quite honestly, because he just did such a good job of creating like one of the best cultures I've ever been around. Like, it was so fun to come to work. It was so fun to be a part of his vision. He cared about the players. He's passionate about the players. Obviously, he's a smart football guy. But you know, I can't speak to McDonald and what he does, right? And how the guys like him, but having been a player for Dan, I know he just builds relationships at the highest level, you know, and I know um, he has a really good relationship with Kyle. Kyle's got a great, great relationship with Adam. So I think like 
that's your, when you're getting a referral from Kyle Shanahan, I think that's a big deal. I also think, you know, one of the things I keep, I brought this up a couple times on the show and I just, it's, to me, it's one of the most valuable things that he's done. Like despite all the stuff he did for me in Atlanta, what I saw him do with the team there, like after he got fired, I remember he called me and said, you know, I'm trying to figure things out, like where I went wrong. And like that reflectiveness, that growth mindset, I think is so important. So I don't think he's going to make the same mistakes that he made in Atlanta. And I think he's going to kind of, he just, he's just a good dude, man. Good dude. Awesome coach. Can't say enough positive things about him. I think the team would be very lucky to have him here. Obviously he's a little bit older and, you know, is this the right fit for what Josh Harris wants with Adam? I don't know. And so that's, again, something that goes through in the interview process, but in terms of building a culture, a positive work environment, you're going to be hard pressed to find a guy better than that um, in terms of building relationships with players. So um, again, like it's more than that, you know, it's again, does the vision align with what they're trying to do in, um, in the front office here, but in terms of that kind of stuff, he's excellent. Yeah. I mean, every time I've heard you talk about him, I'm like, what more could you want in yeah. a head coach? Um, you know, obviously I think you have the reality that it didn't go great uh, in Atlanta right. after Kyle left. And yeah. the question is, is that reflectiveness that he had, um, you know, like, how does it actually implement? Because it's easy in the moment yeah. to be like, all right, well, how did it go? But then actually implementing the change is, is difficult. You know, how do you go about finding that network and making sure that you are set on the offensive side of the ball when you are a defensive guy, how involved would he be on the defense would be another question I'd want to yeah. know from him. Um, and I don't know when, when he was the head coach in Atlanta, like how hands-on was he versus obviously coming off a tremendous coordinating run in Dallas, even if it has the sour ending. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously one of the things about Dan that you love is again, you see some of that same innovativeness that you see from McDonald, right? Putting playmakers in good positions to be successful, taking away the most valuable asset, disguising coverages, getting guys coached up. It's all there, right? It's a good defensive mind, just a different way to get to it. Um, so when I was in Atlanta, he had, he had rescinded defensive play calling duties. He had kind of gone in a different direction. And I think, um, and he was just kind of purely a head coach. And, you know, during my time there, it got really bad defensively and he had to kind of re get back in the saddle and take on play calling duties again. And I think that's that's also a really good example of, you know, everyone talks about the Kyle Shanahan thing, but it also I think it's important to note, like they just paid Matt Ryan a lot of money. They just paid Julio Jones a lot of money. They just paid Jake Matthews a lot of money and they didn't really have a lot in terms of roster scaffolding outside of that. And I think like it was kind of the thing we're going to, you know, I think we'll talk about this later, maybe with Philly or with Dallas, like when you pay that guy a lot of money, it becomes really hard to make a roster around it. So near the end of that, like the roster just was not very talented. So it was really hard for us to be competitive in football games if Matt wasn't playing lights out, if Julio wasn't playing lights out, right? And I think that's something that, again, is something you got to learn from if you're him and kind of how we're going to build this team and, and issues, right? So it's not only the coordinator leaving, but it's also kind of the degradation of the roster after Kyle leaves because you got to pay good football players and they paid those guys a ton of money. So I think that, that, that that's kind of another element that needs to be considered in terms of how he built that team. And so when he was calling the defense, like it wasn't great, but I think it's also because the defense at the time wasn't very talented, you know, and I think we've seen here firsthand, like, you know, like just looking at these candidates, like, Ben Johnson, that offense, he's he's doing a lot of innovative stuff. Very talented group. McDonald, very talented in terms of what they yeah. have in Baltimore. Um, even in Dallas, a very very talented group. So I think that's all that all has to be considered when kind of looking at the coach and looking at what's going to happen year one, year two, or th year three with them because they got to kind of build this sucker back up.
Right. So I actually, I think that's a good like pause timeout. Let's get yeah. more general for a second. The goal is to have good players. Yes. Um, right. And they've got some here that feel like they've been terribly misused, um, mm -hmm. whether that's offensively or defensively. You just, you just kind of look at the tape sometimes and you go, there's got to be a better way to do that than this. Like right. that, that guy, whether it's 17, whether it's one, um, some of the stuff with Curtis, when Scott was here, we were just like, right. how come you can't get him the ball more? Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes there's explanations of there's only so many balls to go around. Oh, they, well, they ran 35 plays in the game because the defense yeah. do whatever. Like sometimes there's individual specific things, but on a macro level, I think it's a very fair criticism of right. the last four years to say there are talented players that have not been maximized. And also it is fair to say that the goal is in building a football team. This is earth shattering analysis is to have good it's, football players. It's true though. I mean, it's when true. good coaching meets good players, that's when you win at a major level in this league. And so and, the fact that these guys have shown the ability to do this is ultimately a good thing. It's just, it, it makes it a little harder on the evaluation to parse out how much of it is, Hey, they got great players versus wow. They're really doing this with the X's and the O's and the coaching and the teaching and the motivating and, and all the other stuff that goes into it. Yeah, and I think I think Dan, when you look at his resume, Quinn specifically, like think about how bad that defense was before it got there. You know, and I think one of the reasons it's better, it, it was like an overnight transformation in terms of production is because of how he's able to motivate guys. I think that's obvious, you know, when you look at him and his career. I think um, the, with Ben Johnson, it's a little bit more challenging to kind of parse out who's the motivating factor there. Is it a Dan Campbell? Is it him? Is it, you know, is Jared Goff this dynamic leader in that room? Does he fit that style? So I think that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging. I think Dan has shown his resume to me, the transitions he's gone through has shown that he can motivate guys at a high level. But again, you need talent. And I think that's the thing where you look at these teams, you look at um, Baltimore's a great example. Detroit's a great example on the offensive side of the football. They have pieces that I think are probably less talented in other locations, but they fit the vision of the coach. And I think yeah. that is why this relationship is so important. Like we can talk about resumes all we want, but it's really how does Adam Peters and whoever coach come in, communicate that vision? And then how does Adam Peters, because he's shown an ability to get the players you want in the organization, like at a high level, he's shown that he can do that. It's just yeah. about, does, is that coach able to, identify his vision, communicate that vision, and then let's build this roster out. Because I think you look at San Fran, and when I got there, you know, in 2017, that wasn't good. I think that was his first year, and Adam Peters, his first year. But yeah, Kyle, yeah. you better believe he's got a great vision for that roster, right? Great vision. And look what that roster now. It is it is an encapsulation of Kyle and his perspective on football. You know what I'm saying? And yep. that's because they had such a good working relationship. That's why, to me, again, the records, the – you know, the, the offensive innovation, all that's important, but it's what is your vision? Can we get it identified and can we get it communicated? And and again, like I think Dan has shown an ability to do that. Um, I think uh, and Ben Johnson and McDonald, I don't know because I don't know them personally, but I like that's that to me is like the crux of the interview when they do this virtual interview later this week. For sure. All right, which brings us to the last guy who you also know personally that we know is interviewing uh, as we record this on Thursday today, and yep. that is Raheem Morris. Um, Ra is one of the most interesting 
coaching resumes of anybody in the National Football yeah. League. Um, he was a head coach at 33 in Tampa. Uh, it didn't go great. He had one 10 win season, but uh, the other two were, were pretty poor um, and ultimately let go pretty quickly. Um, he reemerges in Atlanta with Kyle and, and gets flipped over to the offensive side of the ball, which I would love to learn more about um, kind of that him coaching on that side of the ball because I mean, eventually he goes back to defense. So clearly like that wasn't yeah. his long-term future, but like that doesn't necessarily mean it went poorly and you yeah. were there. So like we can talk about that, um, but has reemerged with Sean McVay in LA uh, as the defensive coordinator had helped them win a super bowl. And every single person I know, which is, you know, a decent number relatively yeah. speaking because of his time here. Cause he was, he was here back on that staff in 2013. Um, Everyone loves the guy. Like, just everyone is like, Raheem Morris is one of the best dudes you will ever meet. Uh, so, what's the Raheem Morris profile? Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing. He's an awesome dude. One of dude. the best dudes. Yeah. yeah. And he's awesome dude. He's super dynamic. He gets, he relates to players at a high level. You know, like, kind of wherever you're coming from. He just, he just has this kind of presence about him that's infectious, you know. And again, he's not... I haven't been with him when he's been, you know, the leader of the defense, but I think he was, you know, the receiver receiving coach, pass game coordinator. When he stands up in front of the room, he commands the room. He has a relationship with everybody on the roster. Like it's awesome, you know, and he's a smart football guy, you know, cause he, that ability to go from offense to defense, I think, and then back or from defense to offense, then back to defense, I think just speaks to his insight. Like he was coaching receivers in Atlanta and getting guys better and improving play. And I think that's, that's awesome. You know, so he so would have I been think, there like when Muhammad San, Sanu was Sanu, like emerging and doing, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to coach Julio Jones. I mean, to an extent I could coach Julio Jones, Julio, go be awesome. Okay, good. Ready right. Um, but yeah. like the house Sanu grew and, and some of the other young guys in Atlanta, That's right. like, that was, that was tremendous. That's exactly right. And so he, I think he deserves obviously some credit for that, you know, like it's the player getting motivated, but also knowing how to speak to the player. And I, I was there and I saw like, um, Zacchaeus, you know, who was like a yeah. like a undrafted free agent, kind of blossomed under his tutelage, and he just found ways to kind of maximize guys and, and put guys in good positions. So again, I think he's a really bright dude. I think he relates to players at a high level. Um, I think he thinks football, big picture, high level, which is what you want. He's got kind of a little bit of um, it's it's a little different flavor, but it's kind of the Sean McVay. You know, he's got this really dynamic, charismatic personality that's a lot of fun to be around, and that that gets guys excited to come to work. And, and again, he's very passionate about football. So um, I think it's awesome. I think it's great what he's done in uh, LA. You know, when you look at some of the stuff they were doing early in the season, having a hard time with coverage bus, letting free runners. And then as they made their playoff push, just kind of batting down the hatches and and really coached it up and, and, and that group developed, which is great to see. So I, I got nothing but good things to say about him. You know, after I got cut, I remember he reached out to me the same day, said, man, it was great working with you for the year. And, I appreciate that kind of stuff because I think there's a yeah. human element to this thing that often gets forgotten. And for him to kind of be able to hit on that and still be a, a good professional is, is fantastic. So, and, and to me that fits kind of what Adam Peters vision for the coaching staff is right. Or for, for the staff in general is we want to have good relationships. We want to be able to make tough decisions, but also remember the humanity of it. I think that speaks to that, that raw Raheem fits that. I think. Yeah. I, like he's, he's kind of my dark horse candidate that I really would be curious about because he has the network. Like we talked about McDonald. Uh, yeah. like does he have the network? Like Raheem Morris knows everyone. Everybody yeah. loves him. 
Yeah. Like that dude would have no problem putting together putting together a bomb coaching staff. Right. And I do think the fact that he would probably be running, like he would be demanding of running the Kyle slash Sean, some offshoot of that offense. Sure. And there are plenty of guys around the league that are capable of being the OC there. So if all of a sudden you get someone who moves on, you do have the ability to keep some level of continuity, but he's plugged into those trees. He knows everybody. He's someone that people want to work with and for. And unlike like not to be not to to feel like I'm putting down Dan Quinn at all, but like Dan Quinn to me fits the the retread more than Raheem Morris does. Sure. Like Rog Rog got the head coaching job when he was 33 years old and didn't really get the best shake down in Tampa of yeah. it. Um, and, and and he'll tell you he didn't handle that well. Like you know he'll yeah. he'll, he'll be very honest. And I think again the self awareness to be like yeah I didn't I could have done it better. That is always important to hear from a coach, you know. And I think. Um, Taking personal accountability is a big deal. Like, in, in not from co- like for coaches, obviously, but in any type of leadership position. And I think all the guys we're talking about that I know um, are that way. And I think the, t- the organization would be very lucky to get any of them. But um, I, I do understand what you're saying about the Dan Quinn thing. Like, Dan, yeah. Dan, Dan will be 54 hit. this year. Yeah. Um, Raheem Morris is going to be, I mean, at this point, you know, that, that, that Tampa thing was a long freaking yeah. time ago. Um, yeah. He is going to be 48 this year. Um, but that's still like, I mean, if he's your coach for 15 years, like he's still a decade younger than Belichick is right now. And Pete Carroll is right now. So, um, you know, when you're looking for like the young youthful energy, even though he was a head coach a decade ago, like you, you check that box with Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn's got tremendous energy. Um, he, he brings a, uh, I mean, dude wears his hat backwards. What more could you want? Um, but you know, it's different. I like to me, Raheem Morris isn't a retread. He's a he's a guy that's been around for a long time who happened to be a head coach a long time ago. Right. No, I, I definitely understand that where that's coming from, and I, I think it's like with both those guys. Like I think I think they I think you know Dan probably is. I would imagine him getting a head coaching job this cycle. But I hope the same thing for Raheem. I think yeah. because of the things you're talking about. I think he is an innovative guy. I think he's smart. I think he's a good leader. I think all those things are super important. And. Um, I think the maturity you mentioned, you know, he got the job when he was 33. And I think I remember talking to him. He said, you know, I wish I'd just been a little bit more mature about it. And uh, again, like now he's here, you know, what is that? 12, 13 years later, whatever the math is there, like that's yeah. a big deal. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I hope I hope they both get jobs. I think they both deserve jobs. Um, and it just depends on whether it's the right fit here in Washington or not. For sure. Um, you know, other reporting is that Johnson is the favorite. I think a lot of that is just simple math of he's the number one guy and almost like kind of the consensus number one. Um, it seems to be the number one opening. So we'll see. It would be really nice if raw or Slowick got it. And finally that 2013, 2012 Washington staff picture gets to finally, like so many teams have reaped the benefits. Can, can can we be one of them here? (laughs) That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny you talk about Bobby. I think Bobby's probably a year away, you know, but I mean, if the iron's hot and the situation's right, good for Bobby. So yeah, but I think, I think they both deserve long story short. I think they both deserve head coaching shots. It just depends on whether it's the right, right fit here, I think. And, uh, you know, only the only person who knows that or the only people who know that are Josh Harris and, uh, Adam Peters. So yeah. we'll, we'll get an answer sooner rather than later. Yeah. And they don't know it yet. Cause they still got a bunch of interviews to do. Right. Um, and like we talked about, uh, especially with McDonald, like the interview portion is extremely important because you are interviewing for a different job than you have like it is yeah. coordinator and head coach are different jobs and we've seen it all across nfl history um and, and understanding as adam peters certainly does like what an nfl head coach looks like um and and do does this person meet, meet those qualifications is something they'll have to suss out 
in these interviews. Uh, what they won't have to do is compete with Philadelphia and Dallas for head coaching positions, especially Dallas. We know that for sure. It looks like Nick Sirianni is probably safe in Philadelphia as we record this uh, famous last word. Sorry, Nick, that you apparently just got fired because we jinxed it. Uh, but no, it looks like Sirianni is going to be safe in Philadelphia and that they're going to look to replace the coordinators. So uh, what we're going to do is play a little NFC East. Would you rather uh, AKA who would you rather be? The Eagles or Cowboys that just flamed out of the playoffs or the Commanders with this fresh slate ahead or the Giants in whatever state they're in. Uh, we will suss that out next. All right, that is uh, that would be next if you were listening to the actual podcast, but uh, you're not. You're listening to the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 live radio. If you want that, uh, just you know, go listen to that on demand anytime, anywhere after uh, seven o'clock when we're done tonight. I mean, technically you can before, I guess, but we love to keep you here on the radio. Where next we will discuss our NFL tiers. Uh, Vic and I established them when Anthony was out last week. Anthony now gets to come in and. Uh, be all high and mighty and tell us where we were wrong. Uh, we take our four tiers, uh, their likelihood of winning and reaching the Super Bowl. We rank the remaining NFL playoff teams next here on the team at 980. Still to come on the back half of this here Hoffman show as we've reached the, the top of the mountain. Now we'll skier our way down. Our NFL tiers in 60 seconds. Dave Johnson joins us from Madison Square Garden at 6 p.m. and then coming up at 6 30 our pal mike yam host of nfl total access on nfl network joins us for his perspective on at the adam peters uh signing for washington as general manager mike used to be based in the bay area when he's working for pac-12 network and obviously he's been in nfl network for quite a while now so knows plenty of people who know adam and kind of has a good feel for everything out there on the west coast for how the 49ers have built that dynasty and what peters brings to Washington. Uh, other than that, uh, we we get to our NFL tiers, Anthony, and uh, it was kind of interesting when we were setting this up last week. Uh, this we did this on Thursday when obviously you were gone, so Vic was here, and the the settings, if you will, are the same. It's just you kind of you kind of enforce them a little bit more. Uh, so what winds up happening is we have our our four uh, categories. We have prime contenders. We have puncher's chance. We have interesting but not good enough. And then we have no chance. And you wind up like asking the same questions. Does this team have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Nope, no chance. Like, it would have to be crazy. Then they go in interesting but not good enough. Uh, then you have uh, puncher's chance, which is, you know, like, unlikely, but I can see it. And then you have prime contenders, like, wouldn't be surprised if they wind up there. And you still wind up with kind of an even distribution of teams. But I think what uh, we're about to find out, Anthony, is some teams that might need to move. And uh, there's also some teams that we clearly rank too high. So with that, there he goes. Helps with the faders on. Not great. Not great for me. Uh, I, I actually honestly think that was, that was bad enough that that's a five. That's a five point. Illegal procedure penalty. Uh-oh. On me. Uh, the good thing is, on the fine board... Are we, we can, tied? We can take that off. Uh, we're not owed ourselves lunch anymore because Anthony and I got some today. Nope, you are still five points ahead. Mm. Uh, I have 40. You have 45, which means our total now is 85, and we are one really heinous uh, crime against the Hoffman show away from 
us needing yet another lunch. Mm. You hate to see it. You hate truly do, man. Head back over there. Let's get into it. Uh, all right. Start at the top, start at the bottom. Uh, I think it's easier to start at... It's uh, a great question, because we got a team that's at the top that belongs at the bottom. That is that is true. So our prime contenders going into last weekend were the Bills. Yep. The Cowboys. Oh, y'all had the Bills over the Chiefs? Yeah, with the way they've been playing offensively. That's fair. I, I don't think that was... It's not too. It's nothing crazy, crazy. But it's no. just crazy because the Chiefs have remained as a prime contender all season long, and then we get to the playoffs, and now we want to bump them down. Well, that's the thing is off. like it's playoff. It's playoff caliber, right? Yeah. The, the lines get finer. I mean, interesting but not good enough. Some of the teams that we had in there were in puncher's chance or prime contenders for most of the year, but by the time you got to the playoffs, they weren't the same anymore. Actually, we nailed that category. Um, get to it in a moment. We had the, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the 49ers. Obviously, the Ravens, the 49ers are the one seeds. Nothing changes there. The Bills looked fantastic. Uh, and honestly, even though they had a couple big mistakes, like if they played a, a cleaner football game, they win that game 45 nothing. Uh, and then there's the Cowboys. Whoops. Whoopsie daisies. Mm. I really thought they were different this year. And I I oh, realized you fell that for the banana. In, oh man. I did. I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. There was a maturity and a professionalism that they played with all year that oh, I, I shouldn't even say all year. Maybe it now now in hindsight it's easier to see because they didn't win as much on the road, obviously, as they did at home. Nope. But also they were at home. They had lost at home in two years, bro. And they didn't just lose. <laughs> they got whackified. Yeah. They got wrecked. Mm-hmm. What did Matt like? What did Dan Quinn ever do to Matt Lafleur? I don't know, but we've seen a lot of open receivers. We saw a lot of gaping holes on the offensive line of the Packers. And the thing is, they've been susceptible to the run all season long. So we should have all we should have just been aware, like. The Packers are probably going to try to run the ball, and they're probably going to have some success. And uh, we didn't know they were going to have that much success. Duh. I mean, they did it to him a couple years ago. Exactly. Always. (laughs) Always. Like, every time. The the Packers were just so young, and they are so young. And we're going to have to talk about them here in a minute. Um, but they're they're so young. They're going into Dallas at home. Dallas have played with like this toughness and this, this edge all year. And I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. And so did Vic. Vic was right there with me. Yep. I mean, I probably would have been there right with you as well, to be honest. I did choose the Cowboys to win the game. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. So the Cowboys uh, are not prime contenders. Uh, I kind of just want to keep everybody where they are. Actually, I don't know because like I want to keep everybody that, where they are and highlight like what we started the thought of the, at the start of the playoffs, um, and see how we did as opposed to moving teams around. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um. So there's that. Uh, puncher's chance. We had Chiefs. We had Lions. I think that we did pretty good there. 
I am very curious, obviously, to see how like and like doing this next week is silly because we're in the conference championship games, right? Yeah. So we're not gonna we'll, we'll probably do the segment next week, but everyone at that point is a prime contender. You're one game away from the Super Bowl, um, and we'll kind of review how we did and what we missed and what prevailed and what didn't. Um, it's not like we're gonna rank everybody next week. So Chiefs and Lions. I mean, with the Chiefs, they played a banged up Miami team. A warm weather team in the cold. A team built for speed in the freezing cold. Down to guys that weren't even on the team the entire season starting at linebacker for them. Pretty hilarious quote from Hard Knocks last night. One of the reporters down in Miami goes, Hey, Mike, uh, talking to McDaniel, obviously. He goes, Hey, Mike, if you look at the math, uh, it seems like you guys are going to have someone who wasn't here last week playing on Saturday. And Mike goes, Yeah, that's good math. Math checks out. It's, it's nuts. So did did the Chiefs figure out their offense all of a sudden? Or did they just face the Miami Dolphins in January of 2024? I don't know. I it's, The Bills are a much better test. Do I think the Chiefs can win the game? Absolutely. Do I have a weird, sinking, funny feeling that the Chiefs are going to win the game? Yeah, but that's also just kind of... That's what Mahomes does in the playoffs. He wins. Um... But at the same time, like I, if I'm tr- if I'm trying to take biases and really be objective about it and not look at previous seasons and all that kind of stuff, the Bills have been awesome since the middle of the season. The Chiefs have been pretty mediocre. I think they're both in the right category. I think we di- I think we did it right. I like the Chiefs here um, as well. And even in the game against the Dolphins, I wouldn't say the Chiefs have found, you know, the answers on offense because guess what? They're still dropping passes. Uh, I think Pacheco ran the ball 24 times for like 89 yards. That is something that I give Andy Reid a ton of credit for. Yeah. We know he doesn't want to run it, but he will. Yep. And he always has been that way. Uh Uh-huh. Always. Uh, Maybe not always remembered it in some big moments as some Eagles fans are screaming from back in the day. But since he's been in Kansas City, he's always been willing to go back to that that formula if he needs it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I liked it, but I just think they need to execute more efficiently on the offensive side of the ball because they're going to – they're not going to be going against uh, Tua, who was shell-shocked. They're going against Josh Allen, who's been here, who's battle-tested – who wants some revenge on yeah. the Chiefs because I'm, they keep knocking knocking them out of the playoffs. I am less concerned about the Chiefs' defense. Like, I am concerned about the Chiefs' defense because they're playing the Bills' offense. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow when we pick the games, obviously. But, like, the Bills' offense is nasty, but the Chiefs' defense is nasty. Yeah. Like, that's that's good on good. Um, I, the drop passes thing, I think, is, is really fascinating to me because what's Travis Kelsey and, you know, he's been more sure-handed than a lot of the other ones, but, like, he had three drops last week. A couple other guys had yep. drops. Was that because it was minus 1,000 degrees outside and they were catching a rock thrown at you by Patrick Mahomes at 50 miles an hour? is probably very difficult despite all the gloves and all of the things trying to keep your hands warm. Yeah, that has something to do with it. Travis said on, uh, on New Heights that, uh, what's her kicker's name? Harrison Butker had bruises on his foot just from kicking off and kicking the field goals because the ball was so hard. So... Have they figured out the timing and rhythm? And if they play in even a 20-degree Buffalo this week, like it's better than it was in minus three with minus 27 wind chill. That's really what I don't know. Like how much of it was weather? How much of it was Miami defense? Like what concoction made the Chiefs look alive on offense last week? Um, 
And how does it translate into into this week against Buffalo? But that's why I think they belong in puncher's chance is because I can't rely on that. I can't yeah. rely on their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, as for the Lions, we'll discuss them and everybody else that we haven't discussed and where they belong because we definitely had some upset wins as well. The Packers, we'll talk about them next. It's the NFL Tears on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. First, a look at what's trending. Dave Johnson joins us at the top of the hour. So much to talk about with Dave. The Wizards, since the last time we've had Dave on, not only the Wizards played a couple games um, between Commander's News and uh, those games being on the weekends, et cetera, we haven't had a chance to talk to him, but they've also made a big trade. Uh, so we'll get all of that from Dave live from Madison Square Garden coming up at the top of the hour. Continuing now with our NFL tier rankings. Again, that a reminder of how they work. Prime contenders, no surprise if they win the Super Bowl. Puncher's chance, like... Uh, we could see it, but it'd be unlikely. Interesting, but not quite good enough. Uh, kind of self-explanatory, like, eh, but like, no. And then no chance. Well, they got no chance. We did our, our pre-playoff rankings. Bills, Cowboys, Ravens, 49ers uh, were our prime contenders. Obviously, we were very wrong about the Cowboys. Uh, we talked about the Chiefs at the end of the last segment, uh, which leaves us, Anthony, with the Lions and then a bunch of teams plus the Packers who and, and Bucks, uh, by the way, uh, who lost. So, uh, Lions, I, I think this is still correct. Puncher's chance. I think they just have it. They, like, they lack playoff experience for me to see them as, like, a true prime contender. But they have grit. They have toughness. They know who they are. They play to that every single week. I just don't know when push comes to shove if they're a year away. And I also do wonder then, like, if they're a year away, are they uh, a year off of what they needed because they're going to lose Ben Johnson and possibly Aaron Glenn, their coordinators? And we've seen in Philadelphia how big of a hit that is. So I just think Detroit's kind of in a spot where they kind of need this to be their year. Um, But at the same time, it's going to be very difficult uh, because I don't think they're quite on the level of San Francisco, Baltimore, uh, and even even Buffalo. Yeah, I... I think coming into the playoffs, I would have definitely left them here. And it's for everything you said. They don't necessarily have a lot of, you know, championship uh, pedigree. Um, they're they're fairly young, and uh, they're just, you know, how would I like to? I think they are, you know, the OKC in 2011. I, I think they're Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. They're like the the up and coming stars. They're fun to, you know, watch. Yeah, they got Hutchinson, Amon Ross, exactly. St. Brown. They got some talent over there. A bunch of hungry dudes who are already good but hadn't even been paid yet. Exactly. So I, I think that's where they are. And uh, I think, you know, down the road, this experience this year, I think will be good for them. But this year, I, I don't think they're there just yet. Yeah, but I think there's a great chance they're in the NFC Championship game because yep. um, I think they're better than Tampa, Uh huh. which we'll get to in a second. Um we we nailed interesting but not quite good enough. A bunch of teams that were good all year uh, or hot and then just not playing well down the stretch or came up against a better unit. Rams came up against a better team in the Lions. Uh, the Eagles and the Dolphins just were not the same teams they were when they were two of the first teams to clinch playoff spots earlier this year. Injuries matter. And I think with the Eagles specifically, it's a reminder of how much coaching matters. Steichen and Gannon were incalculable losses for them, and they did such a bad job of replacing them. And they lost who they were, and and I think that's like that's an indictment of Sirianni is uh, not only as a hirer but as a as an overseer. And it's something that if I was interviewing head coaching candidates for 
the commanders or anybody else. I would talk about that. It was like, hey, I know your coordinators are your most important hire, right? Like you, head coach candidate, are my most important hire if I'm Adam Peters. Like Harris is most important hire, Peters. Peters most important hire, head coach. Head coach is most important hire, coordinators. But the nature of success in the NFL means you lose people. You lose players because they get expensive and you can't sign them all. And you lose coordinators because they get better, they get head coaching jobs. So, hey, we plan on being successful. How do I know that I can trust you to keep consistent even when other people leave? And part of that, like if you're if you're a Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, the way they've set up their organizations is, well, I'm gonna also be a coordinator. I'm gonna set up systems so that the jobs I'm replacing are scheduling and running some of the meetings but at the end of the day like I'm still the play caller I'm designing the offense we're going to have continuity and defensively I have a way of thinking that I know there's a, a, enough people in this league that can do it that I won't have problem hiring someone like that's got to be an answer but if the answer is like oh I know a bunch of people and we could go this way we could go that way that candidate's done for me like Brian Johnson is a very smart, bright coach, it seems, uh, the Eagles quarterbacks coach. And he got um, interviewed, where was it? Maybe Carolina. He got he was interviewed somewhere today, and he's been interviewed by multiple people. That's great for him. Like, he's going to need a new job, bro, because he ain't going to be the OC in Philly. But it's also on Sirianni for letting Brian Johnson take Jalen Hurts to a place that Jalen Hurts wasn't ready to go. They should have leaned on that O-line and ran the ball. DeAndre Swift was their best player when they were 10-1. and one. Why didn't you continue to lean on him? I don't get it. And that's to me, is like a head coach level thing that a lot of these coaches mess up. Uh, and that's why the Eagles are going home. Uh, and that's why they weren't interesting but not quite good enough. And we nailed that. Uh, all right. That leaves then, you know, obviously Texans, uh, or sorry, Browns, Steelers, uh, goodbye. Nailed those. Then we got Texans, Packers, and Bucks, Anthony, who we put in no chance. Did we make mistakes there, or were, were they good enough to win one playoff game, and now they're going to face better competition, and good luck, good night, we're going to be all right and not look silly at the end? Uh, I think matchups-wise, they got a little lucky. Um, well, for the Texans and Bucks, the Packers, I think them winning was more so a thriller um, and, like, super um, shocking. Uh, but they, they did play well down the stretch, so – I guess we can give them credit for that because it's all about, you know, how you're playing in December and all three of these teams. Well, I can't necessarily even say the Texans or the Bucks. I just think stylistically they matched up well. Styles make fights. When they get into that next round, let's see if they prevail. Night-night. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that actually hilariously underneath this hoodie, I'm wearing these, my Steph Curry night-night T-shirt, uh, the Curry brand one. Oh, wow. uh, that that would have been, been nice to just pop that real quick. Anyway. Uh, can like it's gonna be really I would imagine really easy to be like yeah we were right on Green Bay after this week even though what they just did to Dallas was tremendously impressive because like they're gonna run San Francisco who's probably a buzzsaw or this comment's gonna look really stupid in a couple days and we'll get some calls from Packers fans oh man um but like that's part of the reason why we did this it wasn't so much a disrespect to these teams it was like look realistically. Am I going to pick them to beat? Am I going to pick the Packers to go in and beat the 49ers and beat, let's say, the Lions? No. 
So even if they won a game, like they're not going anywhere. Um, and the same is true with the Texans. Like, you know, obviously I thought they could win last weekend, but we put them in no chance because at the end of the day, they're a young team that's going to come up against teams that are significantly better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, if I had to pick one of these teams that I wish we had put in a different category, Ooh. it would have been Houston. I would have put Houston in interesting, but not quite, but not good enough. And I would agree because I think if you, if CJ is fully staffed and loaded with ta- his his weapons, I think they're really interesting and might not be good enough. But I wouldn't say they definitively. But they're going to be a pain in the ass. Man, they're going to be nasty. They so, get Tank. They get Noah. Whoo. Yeah. No, I I definitely. I mean, obviously, Tank is Tank is done, right? That's yeah, he's yeah, he's. Back. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like long term, sure. But in the context of these playoffs, they're mm-hmm. they're just not good enough yet. Yeah. But I do wish that we had put them up. So Texans fans, sorry. Uh, Packers and Bucks, like Packers, maybe that like Texans, Packers, Bucks in that order would be the how I'd rank those teams. Uh, I think that's probably pretty obvious to most people. Um, but it, and then again, like I don't know the Packers. Maybe we should be maybe actually reconsider that. Maybe the Packers would be the team that's. Like, if the Packers and Texans played this weekend, who would you pick? Between those two teams? Yeah. I think I'd actually pick the Packers. I think I would pick the Texans. I'm pa- super torn on that. Texans got a good run defense. I don't know. If That's they're, true. They're just as physical. So I, I don't know. I think I would lean Texans. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be fun. Good matchup between D'Amico and what they got going defensively in the floor. And then what can CJ do? Uh, love also, that. obviously. Yeah. Super fun to watch as a young quarterback. In this league. All right. Uh, those are our NFL power rankings. Uh, that's the last time we'll do the tiers. We'll review them next week. But when you're down to four, everyone gets to be a prime contender at that point. Uh, but we'll review them coming up on Thursday next week. All right. When we get back, Dave Johnson joins us live from New York. Madison Square Garden, Knicks and Wizards tonight.